This is the Tom Alexander Podcast. Welcome to episode one of the Tom Alexander Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Mr. John Ed Steppen of Ranch Investments. I'm very excited to have John Ed with us today. John Ed has been in the business for many years. I think I've known John Ed for about 20 years now. He is the consummate professional. John Ed knows the hunting business. He knows the ranch real estate business in all aspects of both. So John Ed, welcome. And thank you very much for joining us today. Well, absolutely, Tom. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and and visit with you. Uh, This is an exciting opportunity to hopefully enlighten some folks about land ownership. Thank you. So John Ed, for people that don't know you, uh, tell us a little bit about you and exactly what you do in this industry. So I was born and raised in Austin, Texas. Um, Left in 94 to uh, move out to the first ranch that uh, my wife and I bought in Burnett County. Always had a a desire for land ownership, love for land. My business life evolved. I met uh, Kenneth O'Mara, who was the founder of Ranch Investments. And uh, we became friends and uh, I ultimately did some consulting work for them for years. And uh, finally ended up opening an office in Burnett uh, for the company. Worked with Ken for six and a half years, and then when he decided to retire, I bought the firm, and now I've taken over, that's my 10th year running ranch investments. Amazing. Yeah, time has flown. But you were a professional hunter before ranch real estate. Yes, outfitter, guide, and international hunting consultant. So I organized hunting and fishing trips for clients all over the world. So that is Africa, Argentina, and then even South Texas. Yeah, all over. And how did you get into that? You know, a love for hunting, a passion for the outdoors, and uh, I was very blessed to go on my first safari in 1986 to Zimbabwe. It was a lifelong dream, and, um, you know, I got back and and I thought, wow, you know, I I would love to be able to help people do the same thing that I did, have the same experience. So went to work for uh, the booking agent that arranged my first safari, and about a year and a half later, I decided that I wanted to take it a different direction than, than he was and, and uh, started my own company, and that's uh, JES Adventures. And so uh, still in existence today, still organizing some safaris for clients. Really? Uh, you still book hunts for I, people? I do, but yeah. out of a passion. I mean, I, I don't have a, a large-scale business you know, with hundreds of clients. I have a, a small group of clients that I've, I've helped for years or their friends that call me and uh, and you know, send them all over. Just just got through sending a client and his family forward to Zambia for a a family safari in the Luangwa Valley. So you know, still still getting to have fun with that. What a blessing to be able to do what you love. Oh, it has been. So let's go back a little bit. You had mentioned Ken O'Meara. Ken O'Meara was the founder of Ranch Investments, and that company probably started somewhere in the 19, early eighties. Nineteen eighty two. Nineteen eighty two. And then I recall. I think I met Ken O'Meara for the first time in like nineteen ninety one when I was starting my first magazine. And what I remember about him, because at that time being in the business, in the marketing side of it, there were only a certain number of brokers out there that were really dominating that upper end. And you know, there was Frank Childress, John McCollum, and Ken O'Meara. And I remember sitting down with Ken O'Meara the first time, and he had his Lou Casey boots, Stetson shirt, his slacks, you know, Stetson cowboy hat. He was just He was the consummate professional and just a great, great man. And I was very fortunate to have his backing in the first magazine I did. So, but that was about 1991. When did you meet him? I met him in 93. And that's, we we had, uh, that was about our our fourth year. I say our, my wife and I, she's always been my partner in business. So it was our fourth year with the hunting business and we were operating in Texas off of leased land and we wanted to buy our own property. And that's uh, that's how I met Ken. He was the first uh, broker that I went to when I was looking for a ranch. And you bought that first ranch in 94? Uh, that's right. 
about a year after we were started looking. And if you don't mind me asking, how many acres was that for you? That your... was 437 acres. And was that game fenced at the time, or did you go in there and do? Yeah, no, it was just, you know, in, in the 90s, you know, there weren't a lot of game ranches in Texas. Uh, so, you know, we, we, uh, we bought that as just a traditional hill country cattle ranch, you know, and converted it by game fencing it and then doing some habitat uh, management and, and then stocking it with animals. I guess you improved the whitetail genetics and then also brought it exotics in? Exactly. Leaned heavier on exotics, but we did have a, a scientific breeders program uh, licensed with the state, did that there for, for some time. Do you still own that ranch? Oh, absolutely not. We sold that <laughs> in 02. Yeah. Yeah. It just uh, needed to expand the business. Business was growing, needed more land. Uh, and we ended up going from there to South Texas to Brooks County. Oh, I didn't know that. Huh. And do you still own property down there now? No. So uh, from 99 to uh, 06, uh, we had two ranches in South Texas. We bought the first one in Brooks County. It was about 3,500 acres near Falfurias. And then uh, about a year and a half later, we bought another 4,000 acres in Starr County. And so we, we operated those two as hunting ranches. And, you know, by 05, 06, um, business was outstanding. I had four small children at home. Mm -hmm. And uh, home was Burnett at that time. We, we had a, a house there. We were raising the kids. And, you know, I was gone all the time. And it just wasn't any kind of father to, mm -hmm. to be, uh, be away for six months out of the year. Yeah. So, um, you know, made a change. Sold everything down south and moved back to the hill country. So being in the professional hunting business and then you buy this first ranch from, from Ken O'Meara, you stock it and you're going along, you're developing that hunting property, but then you decided to get into ranch sales. Mm -hmm. And that was, from what I recall, basically you were helping and consulting with Ken for people that were buying properties and then uh, putting game on those or managing that, that game. And so you realized then, well, I understand both sides of this business and this is a uh, an easy transition, I would say, into to selling ranches. Is that what moved it along? Absolutely. That's very, very accurate. Um, you know, the driving force was that I could be home in the evenings with my family and be home on weekends, you know, and see my kids grow up and, yeah. and spend time with them. And, and you know, that, that's the thing. When, when you're in the hunting business, you know, you're working all the time in the fall, so you don't get to hunt with your family. You know, whitetail season is the prime time is from Thanksgiving to Christmas. So, you know, yeah. you lose some valuable family time if you're in that business. So, yeah. you know, that was the driving force was was to uh, to spend more time with my family. Yeah, my wife loves the idea that uh, my hunting season is really kicks off at Thanksgiving and wraps up right after Christmas. Yeah, it's very convenient <laughs> for us. <laughs> A lot of fun, but uh, but my family has hunted forever. I love taking my son. He's 15. He's really been enjoying it. And soon my girls that are 8 and 10, um, I'll have them out in the field. They're not quite there yet. I started my son off a little bit too early, I think. I had him shooting deer at 7 years old and kind of, I think I spoiled him. Wore him out <laughs> a little bit too early, but what a, what a great way to do it. So give me a little more background. I just kind of want to set the stage here. Um, so you're grandfather came here, immigrated here from Czechoslovakia. That's Is that right. right? Yeah, and moved down to South Texas and they were cotton farmers? That's correct. So not, not really what you'd consider South, but they immigrated through Galveston and settled on some um, family property, distant cousins over in the Schulenburg area. Mm -hmm. And then they wanted to buy their own property. I, I don't know how long, four or five years, they probably worked with their family over there. And um, he sent my father up to uh, look at land around West. And mm -hmm. they ended up buying um, near West, a little community called Tours, which was predominantly Czech. Mm -hmm. uh, and they farmed up in, in that, that Blackland cotton farm country, had a quarter section 
done the old-fashioned way, all, all by hand. And I think I recall hearing you saying or, or reading that, so your family immigrates here and they're working on the farm and working as hard as they can to get off the farm. And then here you come later on and all you can do is, is want to get back on that farm, get back on the ranch. So it just gets in your blood. There, there's no doubt, you know, it, it, the love for land and, and the desire to, you know, to own land and be a land steward, it, it's in your blood. Yeah. Um, and so you're driven towards it. Even though I grew up in the city and had, uh, had the gift of being able to spend some weekends with friends whose their families owned ranches. And so got to hunt with them and mm-hmm. fish in stock ponds and swim and yeah. help them build fence and, you know, ride horses and do those kind of things. So that helped to, um, you know, nurture and bring back out that natural desire I had for land ownership. So you were about 30 years old, I guess, when you bought your first property? Exactly. Yeah. 30 years and maybe a couple of months. Okay. Um, and the reason I'm bringing this in is, again, I just want um, a little background to help people that are thinking about buying properties and, number one, to make sure that they know it is, it's doable. Um, it's something you can do. It takes time. It takes money. It takes effort. But in the long run, it's, it's, it's always worth it. So that first ranch, 400 acres, I think you bought, um, you developed it. Is there anything that you learned buying that property and developing it that you didn't know going into it? You know, the biggest lesson came when uh, we decided to move on and we, we needed, needed to buy a bigger place uh, for our business, but also wanted to own more land. The lesson there was don't let emotions get involved when you sell your first ranch or any real estate. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as I had sweat and blood and tears in, in building that property, you know, it's, it, it's an investment and you have to treat it as such. Mm-hmm. So um, I made an error early on by turning down a fairly good offer, considerably less than I was asking uh, because I let emotion get in the way. And I ultimately sold the ranch for about the same price two years later. So mm. I lost two years time factor on my money. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never, that. Been, I've never been emotional again about a land sale. Yeah. You learn that. Yeah. When it, whenever it gets painful, then you, you yeah. learn. Yeah. I've always heard that the first offer is the best offer. And I found that true mm-hmm. a lot of times. Yeah. You know, I usually think there's, there's demand in the area. And if you market that property well, the people around, they're going to know it comes and It's not like you're going to usually wake up somebody that thinks, I've never owned a property and I just want to go buy something today. And, and they just show up out of nowhere. Normally, they've got their eye on the market. Your place comes up and they jump in there. They know the values pretty well. and so Well, now they do. I mean, with technology and information at your fingertips, it's a totally different business than it was 20 years ago, you know, or sure. 18 years ago yeah. when we put it on the market. So you move on, you go from that property then directly down to South Texas. Mm-hmm. And did you just continue to roll from one property into another? I did. Building that equity? I did. Yeah. Which I've always said is the, the blessing of, of ranches is typically, unless you're really timing, unless your timing is off in the market, it's a, it's a secure investment. It's something you get to enjoy. And, you know, it can be, if you don't run your numbers right, it can be costly and you don't actually realize that gain until you want to roll it into another property. But if you manage it well, um, it's a good investment that you can stand on and enjoy, which makes it quite different. And I think right now with where we are with the stock market, we're similar to where we were back years ago, where we've cycled through this market. and, And I haven't really seen the ranch prices go up that much since the market fell off in say 08, 09, 10, because they kind of flattened out. Mm-hmm. And the market has gotten better, but I have not seen prices just really rock up there like they did from say 2003 to 2007. 
Yeah, I agree. And that's the stability in investing in Texas real estate, rural Texas real estate, Mm -hmm. uh, because it doesn't historically doesn't skyrocket in value. So, you know, what goes up fast comes down faster. Mm -hmm. It it goes up incrementally. And and we've had good gains since uh, the height of the the last recession in 2013. Um, That was about the flattest year. And and there's been a, a nice trajectory upwards. You know, on a statewide level, uh, I would think since 13, we must be up 15 to 20% in valuations. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, but in, in specific areas, we're up considerably more. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's your, you know, your sort of one hour rings around Austin, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, you know, where, where people want to get out of the city and that they're driving those markets. Yeah. And being kind of in unprecedented territory with the stock market, mm-hmm. um, I think it's probably a pretty good time to think about realizing those gains and maybe it's a good time to roll into Yeah, so when our 401k got cut in half for the second time in our business careers in 2008, we totally divested out of the stock market and went completely into real estate. Did you really? Sure, because it's like I looked at my wife and I said, well, we lose 50% again, it's gonna take us seven more years to build it back mm-hmm. up. Now granted, I, we've missed some gains in this last bull run, uh, but the reality of life is, is if I lose half my portfolio tomorrow, I've lost half my portfolio. If I, if land values go down by 50%, I've still got my land Yeah. and it's going to go back up. Yeah. So we just decided we would, we believe wholeheartedly in, in rural land ownership and it puts us in charge of our own destiny, yeah, absolutely. you know, and you can derive some income from a rural property if you pick in the right area, whether you lease it for hunting or you operate it. Uh, as we did as a hunting business, or you have a, a cow-calf operation, or sheep and goats, or you know, mm-hmm. just a variety of things. Mm-hmm. And people often say that the ranch real estate market, it's not necessarily a liquid investment, but at the same time, when you watch your stocks drain down mm-hmm. the tubes, and you see how liquid that really is, well, then well, it, it helps with the yeah, security it, of the it, it is, It's not liquid like your stocks and bonds are. You can't have the money in 24 hours. But let me tell you, uh, in the last 60 days, we've sold two new listings. We've contracted and sold and closed two new listings in less than 30 days. Wow. So if if a property is priced right, you can sell it immediately. There's a lot of cash out there looking to invest. So um, if you need your money, you can get out of your land. It's all about pricing. Yeah. Yeah, it's the motivation of that seller. And there's always a buyer out there that's looking to buy something undervalued. And you know, hey, if you bought this ranch 20 years ago and your cost basis is a thousand an acre, mm-hmm. like it was in Burnett County 20 years ago, and today uh, the average value in Burnett County is probably 5,000 an acre, mm-hmm. you can sell it for four and still do all right. And an investor out there is gonna buy it because it's 20% behind the market. Yeah, absolutely. And you can have your money in 30 days. And I really believe that as, um, your success in the business, that's where your experience and your knowledge um, really comes in. Because when you're sitting down with that seller and he's going, ah, I just want to kind of sell my property. But if he says, you know, I want to sell my property, what am I going to get for it? And you tell him, look, this place is worth 5000 an acre. And I think I can get you that. And he goes, well, my guy, my friend down the road got 7000 mm-hmm. And it's not really a comparable property. And then he's going to go out there because you're not going to take it for 7000 He goes out there to another broker and it sits there on the market for a year or two. It doesn't do anybody any good. So somebody trusting your experience and your knowledge and then pricing that property right. Like we said, normally there is somebody out there that's looking in that area. And if it's a good value, they're going to come in there quickly and buy it. All righty. So... Um, when I think about the, that buyer, and because my heart right now, we were talking earlier before we started this, my heart is for that person that has never bought a property before. And 
you know, maybe he grew up and his grandfather had property or his grandparents, and he may have done a little bit of hunting, but this new generation coming up, the millennial generation, whatever you want it to be, uh, a lot of them don't have the experience of, of hunting. And I think if a lot of those people, they, they consider ranches, because I know I get phone calls from people that say, you know, we're never owned a property, really thinking about it. What do we do? Where do we go? Um, what is it going to end up costing? How do I get financing for this? So when I'm looking at these buyers, I think you've got like four different types of buyers. Number one is the one, of course, we always want to deal with, and that's that, that legacy buyer where, you know, he knows the values. He's a smart individual or she, and they're out there looking for a property. They're very concerned about the cost or the value, but mostly they're concerned about a quality property that they're going to keep in their family for a long period of time to, to pass it on. After that, you've got on the other end of the spectrum, you've got that investment buyer. And unfortunately, he doesn't, she care all that much about maybe location or exactly what the property looks like. Just, I want to buy a property that's 20% under value so I can develop it a little bit and then turn around and flip it in six months to a year and make some money off of it. And then in the middle of all of that is just this, this standard buyer where he's looking for a fair deal on a property that he can enjoy and he's gonna buy at market value. He wants to have a safe investment in case something happens, he can get out of it in a year or two and, and be safe, be whole. But he's in it for the enjoyment and something to be safe. But the fourth category is the one that I really want to focus on because I think it is that buyer that is out there that's never owned a property for, before, doesn't really know much about it, but thinks because we're in Texas and Texans love their ranches, how do they get into this? So with your experience in the market, if you had somebody come to you that was just say 30 years old or 25 to 30 years old is making a good living, maybe they're making 150 to $250,000 a year, they've got 150 or 250,000 in cash and they want that first property. Mm -hmm. um, how would you advise them? Because there's lending options, there is um, you know, the type of property, whether it's actually something you're going to run goats on or you're going to hunt. But are there any secrets that you learned out there buying your pro first property that would kind of help motivate that person and keep them from getting in trouble? Well, I believe the, the first most important thing is they've got to hire the right broker. This is just like hiring your investment broker that's going to handle your stock portfolio or picking your family doctor, you know, you need to make sure you pick the right broker to help you make the correct decisions because an experienced broker is going to be able to uh, guide them through the process and, and will know everything and be able to answer all their questions accurately. You know, next is um, identify their budget, look at the area that they'd like to buy and maybe step out just a little farther than, than that ring where they want to be because growth is going to continue in Texas. There's no doubt about it. Statistics are showing the way we're, we're continuing to, our population continue to grow and then buy as much as you can afford hmm. because it is going to go up in value. Mm -hmm. It may not rise as fast as your stock portfolio, but it's, it's going to be a good, solid, safe investment down yeah. the road. Yeah. And right. then you'll be able to gain some equity in three, five, ten years and your life's gonna change at that point. You went from 30 to 40, and you, know, you went from no kids to two kids, and 
you're busy on weekends with soccer and ballet and everything else and football. And so now you take that equity and roll it into something else. And then you're moving yourself up in these categories of buyers that I was saying. So you've, now you're that first time buyer and then you roll into another property and you're looking for a good, enjoyable investment. Years later, you sell that and now you're that legacy Absolutely. buyer that's no, out I, there I, buying that five, 10, 15 million. I think that you've just made a very accurate assessment of, of, of how the market works in investing in, uh, in rural real estate. So we've talked about the buyers out there, but I also get phone calls from the young brokers that are getting into the business because a lot of people, you know, if you want to be in real estate, what are your options? Commercial, you got residential mm-hmm. and people in this that grew up hunting and fishing, they think they want to get into the business. Mm-hmm. And I do, I have people that will call and say, what do I do? How do I get started here? So in, in your experience, what's the best way to get a foothold? You know, I, it, it's absolutely imperative that they have, that they have some sort of, um, uh, background with the outdoors, whether they had family friends that owned a ranch or they came from a ranching family or, um, you know, studied it in college and, and did internships. But I mean, there, there's nothing that can replace actual knowledge. And, and I think that's what separates a real land broker from somebody that sells land. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a lot of folks out there now selling land that um, they may have accreditations or, or, or whatever, but um, it's trying sometimes to work with them because uh, if I'm representing a seller and they're representing a buyer and they don't really have any true life experience of, of what land ownership is about, I end up carrying all the water on the deal because they can't honestly answer their client's question. So um, if you're going to be successful, you need to educate yourself in, in as many facets of land ownership as you can, whether that be not just the purchase, but um, how to maintain, um, how to obtain something as simple as an agriculture exemption for your ad valorem taxes, mm-hmm. for how to find a rural builder, mm-hmm. you know, how, to, how to find someone to build roads and stock tanks and fences and what's, what sort of habitat is suitable for wildlife, what's better for grazing. So, if you're truly going to be successful when you get in the business, you need to know your product because um, you can't learn it in a book. There's, there's, there's no instruction manual for selling ranches. You know, it takes real life experience. So I think that's what, what, uh, what they need to do is they need to find, even if that means foregoing their full-time real estate career for a few years, taking a job on a ranch as a ranch hand or manager or something to, to get them some real life experience then they can relate to their to their uh, their customer and, and answer their questions accurately. In connecting that individual or that buyer with a wildlife management plan, with somebody that can help them there with habitat management or like you said, building, whatever it is, but after making that sale, you'll help that person develop that property and be a part of that life so that when that individual turns around and sells a couple of years later, they're gonna come back to you because you've been a part of that deal. For sure. And I do believe that when it comes to working with buyers or sellers, um, a lot of it is a personality. There are so many different types of brokers mm-hmm. out there. Some are Barnum and Bailey showmen, <laughs> and other ones are just absolute tech geeks. And the tech geek is is very beneficial at times when it comes to data and understanding prices and all the rest. Right. And then sometimes that marketing person that is the Barnum and Bailey showman, you know, that's what they want. They want to fly around on a helicopter and they want to look at properties and do the whole deal. 
But I think it just depends upon the type of person that you are as a buyer, as a seller of who, mm -hmm. who you really want to work with. Yeah. Um, I remember when the market was changing in 08, 09, 10, and everything had flattened out. And there were a lot of brokers out there because it wasn't just an easy market anymore. You know, it took work to get something done. And you saw an unsettling. You saw agents that were moving around from one company to another. And I would have marketing people with these larger companies that would call and say, you know, what do we do with these young people? Because the bottom line, they're coming in here and they're wondering why they're not selling anything and why well, we need to be doing more marketing, but they're sitting down playing solitaire. They're waiting for the phone to ring. And I think a lot of times it is, there's just the simplicity of getting out there. You, you can't beat the basics. So if it's sending out mailers or handwriting letters to sellers out there in the market, just communicating with people in being a moving force all the time, as opposed to just kind of sitting and, and waiting. So I've always believed that if you're new in the market uh, as, as an agent and you want to learn it, go out there and interview with some of these companies. There's big firms now and there's really small ones, but interview, find the type of person that is successful and has what you want. And if your personality fits there, then emulate that. Don't reinvent in, invent the wheel right. and get out there and, and move with it. Well, you know, even if they're, they're directly out of college uh, and they have a background, they, they, they sought a bachelor's in marketing or as my son's doing right now at A&M Kingsville in range and wildlife management. They, they don't know the business, but everyone knows someone, even if you're 21 years old. You've got family connections. So the first thing they've got to do is they've got to start getting business cards into everybody's hand, like you said, and writing notes. And to, because here's the thing, there might be a cousin that just lost track of you because they're busy and he, he had someone that wanted to buy or sell a ranch and you, you could have yeah. had a shoe in the door if they would have known. So yeah, starting out as well as, as having some real knowledge of, of land and land ownership, they need to just be pressing the flesh and getting business cards spread out and make yeah. sure everybody that they know knows they're in the business, which is just sales 101. So your company has grown a lot um, since, since you bought. So you have an office, the original one in Burnett, yes. I guess. And then you said you're opening one in Lampasas? Right, we've been in Lampasas for a year and we, we uh, purchased a property. So we're opening a new office there now in a, in a owned spot. All right, and how many yeah. agents do you have with you now? So now we're at 21 uh, because we still have quite a few broker associates and agents that are in other parts of the state. Mm -hmm. uh, but just in Burnett Lampasas, you know, that's been a very hot area the last few years coming out of Austin. So we've got uh, six agents out of those two offices. Hmm. And what do you think is the most uh, interesting or active market that you're seeing right now? You know, um, not geographically. The most active market right now is small acreage tracks because they're affordable. There are a lot of buyers out there that um, they can afford to buy 10 to 50 acres. You know, something that's going to be in a price range of, you know, a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. That's that's a huge market, uh, and it's really growing. So we're, we're seeing that that uh, that that's uh, uh, got a lot of pressure on it. Subsequently, puts demand out, you know, for larger ranches that can be developed and divided. You know, and so uh, um, I think that's our biggest market, and it, it's going to continue to grow. You know, I saw that first early on with the technology boom in Austin in the early two thousands, and as non-residents would move into Austin because of the technology industry and, and, and business growing there, that would push Austinites out. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so we saw that, you know, in that 2000 to 2006 sort of, you just talked about, there was a big mm-hmm. demand for, for those small acreage tracks then because that was folks that wanted a weekend place to get away ultimately where they were going to retire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to drive 45 minutes or an hour into Austin wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, so I see that happening again. Texas continues to grow. Austin's had a big push on it the last few years, um, and it pushes Austinites out. And I think that's where an experienced real estate agent can really help that individual because if you're out there looking at just say three or four hundred acres and it might be six thousand dollars an acre and then you're over here looking at 50 acres that's going to be more affordable to you but all of a sudden that is 10 or 12 or 15,000 an acre mm-hmm. um, you can easily overbuy in that market oh for and sure the next thing you're into that intro property and you realize oh my gosh it's going to take me four years if lucky to get out of this yeah to go back to what i said earlier that's why i would recommend to a first-time buyer a new buyer that learn from your your agent and understand what that what that ring is around the major metro that's driving prices and step out to the next ring mm-hmm. because you're going to buy more land you're going to get a better value you buy more land for your budget yeah and then you're going to have greater appreciation Yep. You know, I would rather have 50 acres at $4,000 an acre, 30 minutes farther than Austin, than 10 acres at $10,000 an acre, because Agreed. my incremental growth is going to be greater on my larger absolutely. tract. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what that was what drove us also when we went to South Texas from the Hill Country was values were about half, mm-hmm. so we could buy more land with our budget. Sure. Yeah, big difference. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. if if you look at Stuff in, in Kendall County where I live, and I mean, some of the larger tracks were even bringing that fifteen to mm-hmm. $20,000 an acre, which is just amazing. And then you can pop down to South Texas, and what are values down there right now? Anywhere from $2,500 to depends on where, an acre? It depends on where you are, yeah. you know, uh, but uh, still possible to buy something below $2,000. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and then, of course, improvements, you know, have a weight on it. You know, if it's a yeah. highly improved property, that, that's going to weigh into the, the ultimate sales price. But... Um, no, it's, it's still a good value. It just, it's a, it's a different look, yeah. you know? Yeah. So any properties that you're working with now, any listings that you're really excited about? I know you don't want to just completely zero in on, yeah. on one seller and not talk about another, but no, you know, it, it's, um, every one of our, our listings has some unique quality about it, you know, whether it's 10,000 acres or 10 acres. That's what I love about Texas land. You know, you drive down the highway and you see this because you travel a lot like I do and, and, and then you're fortunate enough to get inside some gates. And you can only imagine what's behind all those gates when you're running down a farm-to-market road. I mean, yeah. there's some gorgeous places that you never dreamed existed. So, I mean, it's, uh, um, every property's got something unique about it uh, you know, that, that, you, that, that you can find. And uh, I guess that's what my wife said that she, she has told me, I've never met a property I didn't like. I mean, yeah. I just, I can always find a redeeming quality yeah. in anything, even if it's, it's you know, bald desert. Yeah. <laughs> I can find yeah. something. But, yeah. um, you know, we, we do always get excited about, about some, some properties. And, and we've been working on marketing a property between Burnett and Marble Falls. It's called the Mountain Ranch. And essentially, it's a big ridge that's uh, on the east side of 281 that uh, is one of the highest, not the highest elevations in Burnett County. So, uh, from the main house, you can see five counties, and uh, it's just just a phenomenal track. But it's also very large. It's it's uh, five thousand acres, you know. And to have, you know, eight square miles, an hour drive from downtown Austin's pretty amazing as well. Yeah. You know, so uh, uh, we featured it in the magazine um, in the past, and uh, it, it's it's a real unique legacy property for someone. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, um, you know, when, as, as population grows, it most likely would be developed. But I mean, it, it's, uh, 
it's it's one of those legacy properties, you know, because of location and and size. Mm-hmm. And you've dealt with some really interesting properties, as I recall. Was it back in two thousand one or two that you were involved in the sale of the? Was it the Goodrich? The Goodrich. We sold that in two thousand six. Okay. Yeah, and that was one of the um, you know one of the largest sales uh, in, in a long time. It was twenty one thousand three hundred and five acres on Lake Buchanan and, and 12 miles of the Colorado River in northern Burnett County. Yeah. Um, and it stayed intact for the last 10 years and, and has, has recently resold, but fortunately, a large portion of it sold in a single tract, about 16,000 acres uh, that someone has bought as a legacy investment. Yeah. So it's nice to have that big, those big unprotected tracts of land, uh, sorry, protected tracts of land. Uh, and and, and it, they'll be um, you know unspoiled for, you know, for some period of time. Mm-hmm. And I believe a few years ago, you were involved with the uh, the sale of, was it the Narrows Ranch? I believe it's where the Blanco River comes up. Yeah, the the, that was one of those places, like I said, you know, you never know what's behind a locked gate. And yeah. uh, to see that, that rock formation in that canyon was just incredible. Never seen yeah. anything in Texas like that in my life. Yeah. The grandson of the owner who I since became friends with after uh, working with them told me that in the, you know, the historic drought of the 50s, that pool in the Narrows was one of the last places that had water that pe- people would drive for miles to draw water out of that. Wow. Huh. Yeah. That's yeah, I how, camped, I camped out right there when I was amazing. a kid. Yeah, amazing yeah, place. Amazing. I actually built a corral on that place. Really? Um, I don't know if the, down in there, I don't know, it's probably not even there, but there was a cabin there and we just built a, kind of a corral around it. Oh, nice. Um, our, our family knew one side of the family. Okay. That. But what, what a phenomenal property. It that really goes back to it really is. what you see behind those gates. Um, being in this business for gosh now 30 years um going behind those gates for properties that may be owned by a celebrity or whatever sometimes you'll go through that gate and up and over a hilltop and drop back down to the bottom and you go oh my lord i had no idea this was here people can uh, their imaginations can uh, can do amazing things yeah for sure so johnny tell our listeners how to get in touch with you uh, on the world wide web at ranchinvestments.com old-fashioned toll-free 800-447-8604 and then um, all of our listings are on Lands of Texas and in Lands Magazine so you can find us there as well. John Ed, thank you very much my friend. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity.